Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the digital campus of Newark United Pentecostal Church. Thank you for being here, and to all of you, I hope that you are ready for some good news. I'm a little emotional tonight, and the reason is, is because something that has been challenging and daunting, frankly, at times overwhelming, is about to end. I took, in a very different format, but I took to this same digital campus in a broadcast on March 15th, 2020, a little over 15 months ago. And I informed you that due to uh, an unfolding national emergency that turned into a worldwide emergency, a pandemic dealing with a virus called COVID-19, that we would be shutting down our physical campus for a couple of weeks. By the time we hit the month of April, I began to try carefully to tell you that it was going to be longer than a couple of weeks or even a couple of months. In fact, my wife told me today as we were talking that when I told her privately in the month of April that I thought it would be at earliest the fall of 2020, she told me today, she said, Steve, I didn't think we could do it. One of our pastoral team members, Sister Rachel Lugo, had uh, suggested to us that since we were shutting down our campus that we broadcast every day. And we did that for one week and then adjusted to take one day off a week in a Sabbath. But since that shutdown, in a little over 15 months as of tonight, we have broadcast nearly 400 broadcasts, which represents approximately 200 hours of content. Six days a week, we have come to you. We've changed formats, we've changed mediums, we've changed a lot of things, but the bottom line is, is we kept bringing you the word. We kept caring for you. And so at the outset of this broadcast, I wanna to say to every single one of you, thank you for being faithful. 2018 was the highest giving year. For example, one metric is where you put your money. 2018 was the highest giving year that Newark UPC ever had. It was followed by an even larger giving year in 2019. Now, here's what's amazing. 2020, which was in the heart of COVID-19, it was in the midst of shutting down the physical campus, 2020 became the second highest giving year that Newark UPC had ever had. I'm not talking about our PPP loan and I'm not talking about insurance money. I'm talking about you as members of the congregation in your faithfulness and giving. Our three highest giving years are in this order, 2019, 2020, and 2018. Now, I only cite this, the giving is one metric. It's just something that can be counted that you were faithful through the midst of it. And I'm trusting that in 2021, you are continuing to be faithful and that we're going to see how great God is in the midst of great trouble, in the midst of great trial. And so I want to start by saying thank you to everyone. Thank you for your faithfulness. But tonight, I'm here to tell you that this season is really about to end. Before I give you specifics on that, I want to start with uh, some questions that I'm sure are running through your mind, like when are we coming back to our physical campus or when will the renovations be done or 
when we come back to our physical campus, what will be different? Will there be restrictions? What will the weekly schedule be? Now, I want to answer all of these questions tonight, all right? And I realize that some of you would prefer that I just, just get on with it. Tell us the date. All right. I have served you in various pastoral capacities now for 25. I'm into my 26th year. You're going to have to let me lay out a little foundation because there's a lot of questions that will be generated if I don't give you a larger picture. And so I'm asking you all to settle in not long. I got a 30 minute timer going. I'm going to try to meet it. Now, for those of you that like to be ornery on the chat, I have given myself permission that I may run over as much as to 40 minutes, but I will not go longer than that. I promise. And my goal is, is to get in under 30. So let's see how we do. I'm not going to rush, but I want to share with you how we're proceeding. So before we answer these specific questions that I know you all want answers to and that I have very carefully avoided answering to any of you as we have moved through this season, I want to first talk about two big questions. And those two big questions are, where are we going and how are we going to get there? This is bigger than just when are we coming back to our physical campus? In other words, it's examining vision and structure. Vision and structure. Those questions that I started with are really operational questions, but true operations that are effective must be guided by a vision that then is built out into structure. Proverbs 29, verse 18 in the NLT says, when people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. Now, what's going on here is that if you know the KJV, that, that divine guidance is actually the word vision, where people don't have vision and then as opposed to run wild, they perish. And what's they're not inconsistent. What it is is that if we do not have vision, which then informs our structure, we then will fail to know what to do and how to operate. This is the challenge. For me, vision is defined like this. It's seeing that which does not yet exist. That's what vision is. And that very much connects to the Proverbs 29, 18 of divine guidance, because the only way we human beings can see that which does not yet exist is through our relationship with God, through a faith walk, and through hearing his voice and his divine guidance. Now, let me, let me give you some backstory to let you understand what I'm about to share with you with regard to vision and with regard to structure. In December of 2019, following our Christmas giving service, I know that seems like an eternity ago, but in December of 2019, so before COVID had hit, and unbeknownst to most of you, the pastoral team and a few key staff members commenced a planning retreat in Williamsburg, Virginia. We met together for five days from December 15th through the 19th under the oversight of our dear friend and, and, and frequent speaker at Newark UPC, Dr. Joey Payton and his wife, Sister Karen Payton. Under their leadership and oversight of the retreat, our goal was to develop further clarity. We already had some, but we needed further clarity regarding Newark UPC's unique vision 
mission, structure, and the resulting or consequent operations. We also hoped that this work would lead, as I've talked to you multiple times, to a new name for the church, a name that would allow us to multiply, to be able to plant multiple churches where that name was an option for them, where we were not as tied to the locale of Newark. We thought that all of this work at this retreat would be introduced and implemented over the next several years of 2020 and 2021. <laughs> we never saw what was coming. We, we had no idea about COVID-19. But here's the good news. God did. God was not caught flat-footed. And what we developed over that week under the divine guidance, and I am going to stipulate that to you, under divine guidance, vision, what we developed over that week under the divine guidance of our master has guided us through COVID-19 and it continues to guide us as we make preparations to return to our physical campus. You're going to have to get used to this, but we will speak often of our work for years to come. In fact, we will be studying portions of it in our online small groups in the fourth quarter of this year and in the first quarter of next year meaning September through December, excuse me, October through December, and then January through March. And yes, we even have a new name that we will be introducing for your consideration at a future point. In order to understand the answers to some of the questions that we started the broadcast with and that I mentioned at the beginning, allow me to share a brief overview of the results of our work that week in December of 2019. And it's, it's the results of this work we simply call the vision frame. The vision frame. So here's how I want you to think about this, all right? So you're looking at this vista and, and these massive majestic mountains. And if you look to the bottom right of the screen that I'm sharing with you, you, you see a trail. The trail is extremely clear to you, close to you. But as you follow the trail with your eye, you'll notice it begins to get fainter and fainter. And in fact, it disappears. You can't see it. You know that it's headed for those mountains, but you can't see the specifics of it. The mountains are very clear, but they're very far away. And in case those mountains, because of their size, feel too close, let me give you another example. Here, the mountains feel even further away, and you see the road, and it's very clear to you up close, but as you move along it, again, it gets narrower and narrower, smaller and smaller, until it, it disappears. It's gone. You don't see where it's going, but you can tell, general direction, it's headed towards those mountains. Here, here's another picture that's, uh, you, you can see how to get across this, this chasm, if you will, probably a creek or something. There's there's a, a wood bridge there and you can see the path and then it disappears in the foliage. And even behind the foliage is that distant vista of the mountain. Now, photographers do something and, and, and videographers do something that you probably are aware of, but maybe don't pay attention to. And it's called framing. And so what happens is, is when you frame something, it draws it into clarity. It focuses it. You'll notice that there are certain things cut off 
and there's 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 kind of a clarity or a focus that comes about to your view here. And so if you think about our destination, where are we going and what are we doing to get there? Let's use the mountain as the image of where we are going, where as a church we're trying to reach. And and the path is what we are doing. It's it's the process, but it's real clear up close but you can't just focus on up close. You've got to have intermediate and you've got to have something that's keeping that vision in focus. And this is the vision frame. Now let's add some elements. How, how does this work? I'm showing you a literal picture. I'm showing you a literal uh, image and, and, and videographers and, and will even hold their hands up and do this to frame a picture. But let, how does this work in a church? How does this work with vision and structure? And so the first thing is, is that you've got to know what you are doing. What are you doing to reach the vision? You've got to answer that question, what? The second thing you've got to answer is how. How are you going to do the what? How, how does this work? The third is why. The why really matters because it's what motivates us. It what's, it's what keeps us going when times are tough and when things are hard. We have to know the why. And then ultimately, you got to know the when. When have you achieved it? So you got to measure things. You, you have to know when the what that you are doing by the how, motivated by the why, when have you arrived? So another way to put this is, as I've shared with you, what are we doing? How are we doing it? Why are we doing it? And when have we done it? When have we achieved it? These four areas create clarity for an organization such as a church where you frame your vision. You know where you're going. You know what you're doing. And it allows you to decide what happens and what doesn't happen. Put differently, what's in the picture and what's not in the picture. So another way to talk about this is, is that what we do is our mission. How we do it is our method. Why we do it is our core values, our motivations, and measurements is our metrics or our, our when we've arrived. So what is Newark UPC's mission? Now here, this shouldn't surprise you, right? You know the answers to the what. You even know the answers to the how. But we needed greater clarity with all of these so that we can understand the where. Where are we going? And that creates the vision frame. That's how we know that we're in focus, that we have clarity. And this is how decisions are made. So our what is all making disciples of all. And tonight I'm not gonna dwell on these. I'm simply introducing them. I want you to see the big picture, if you will. I want you to see the vision frame. I want you to see what we're using to determine under divine guidance, what God wants uniquely from this church. It's all of us making disciples of all. How are we doing it? What's our method? Worship, learn, serve, and play. These four activities, these four organizing principles are how we believe all of us will make disciples of all. If we will engage in worship, if we will engage in learning, if we'll engage in serving, if we'll engage in playing, then we can all make disciples of all. 
This is not the only way to do it. Jesus gave us a mandate to make disciples, but then he says, you go and you in your context, in your time, in your period, you determine under my guidance exactly how to do it. Well, what motivates us? What's our core values, if you will? Well, you should recognize these terms. Word. We're a word church. Discipleship. We believe in not just making converts. We believe in making followers of Jesus. Honesty. This is an honest church. We're open. We're, we're transparent. We're genuine. We're authentic. Kindness. We're also kind, though. We care about people. We care about them, and we want to be kind, even in the midst of our honesty. Service. It's not about us. He who would be greatest in my kingdom, Jesus said, must be servant of all. And community. You've heard it many times from me and from others. You can't do this Christianity thing alone. So these are our whys. This is our motivation. This is our core values. And then the metrics are tied to all of these, where we measure how we're doing, how we're making progress. So when you put it all together, the vision frame is all making disciples of all by worshiping, learning, serving, and playing, because we're motivated by our commitment to and our participation in word and discipleship and honesty and kindness and service and community. And we're committed to measuring all of our activities, all of our efforts to make sure we're staying on the path. We can see the path clearly right now, but what about next month? What about a year from now? What about two years from now? What about when we hit something we weren't expecting? We couldn't see it. How do we orient? The vision frame gives us the ability to know how to proceed. Now, I got to cheat for a second because I think I'm at the end of this portion. I am. Now, those of you that were paying attention, you might have just saw something. But if you weren't paying attention, you missed it. All right. So let me come back to this vision frame is critical to understand what we have done and what we are going to do. You see, COVID-19, when we finally realized that this was a reality, it wasn't going anywhere. We were going to have to settle in and figure out how we were going to respond to this. I articulated to you two priorities. And I know that you all didn't like those priorities and, and, and some of you were supportive and some of you weren't so supportive and some of you struggled and some of you did okay. Some of you flourished and some of you didn't. But I had two priorities and I never moved from those two priorities. And the pastoral team, they hung with me. They really did. There were times that they struggled with me and we worked these over to make sure that I was thinking right. And But, but these are mine. I will tell you right now. Pastoral team cooperated with these, but these were my driving forces. Number one was to care for our neighbor. And by that, I mean the larger community. Brothers and sisters, we have enough of a witness problem as Christians that we don't need to be the source of the death of huge swaths of people. Now, I'm not critical of my brothers and sisters in any other church. They are to answer to God and to their community and they should be operating under his divine guidance. But Newark, we cared about our community. I'm proud of the fact that our sign has blasted out to Salem Church Road. We love you, Newark. You can find us online. We're not in our physical campus. We're not going to be a super spreader. 
I know we're not 5,000. I know we're not 20,000. But we have enough connection between the 150 to 200 people that come to our services across weeks and months that we could affect thousands. You can go do the math and figure out how it's exponential because it moves from bubble to bubble. Our second motivation was to care for you. And here I've said to you many times, I understand that you're going to struggle with this. You're not going to like this, but I, I'll answer for it after the fact. I wanted to care for you. I didn't want you to die. And then I moved the ante up and I decided I didn't want you to get sick. These were our two priorities. So after over 500 days, by the time we come back to our physical campus, which, yes, I'm about to announce to you the timing. It'll be after over 500 days or nearly 17 months, or if you want to know it in years, one and a third years, we are returning to our physical campus. Ladies and gentlemen, we are returning to our physical campus with first an open house on July 31st from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. All the pastoral team will be there and we will facilitate you coming and being a part of our new campus, of looking at everything. If you, if we don't have an open house, that first service is going to be so distracted. And so we felt that it would be best to open the campus up and let you all come. I know you've probably been following via pictures and things like that, but open the campus up so that you can come, you can look at everything, you can critique it, you can say, wow, that was awesome, or ooh, I don't like that. You get to be Newark. And by the way, none of us will be defensive. We will smile at you. We expect the people who come back after COVID to be every bit as much the people that have been meeting with us online and in small groups. You're allowed to be Newark. Bring your critiques. We're all big boys and big girls. We've done our best for you, and we're excited, and we think you'll be excited. So we're going to start with this open house on July 31st from 10 to 4. Now, remember that, July 31st. That's important because there's some impact of that upon the month of July. All right. So that's the first thing. The second is, is that our first service back will be the next day, Sunday, August 1st. And so we're excited to tell you, yes, Arash has been channeling it. He just can't hold it in. He's like a little boy. I love him for it. It's almost over. Well, folks, it is almost over. If you count five weeks out as almost. <laughs> Anyway, the bottom line is, is August 1st, we will be headed back to our campus. Now, that has some impact because we've had a digital campus. So what's happening to the digital campus? What's happening between now, this broadcast, and Sunday, August 1st? So here's the deal. This last week of June and the whole month of July, which is five weeks, will be a transition Everybody hear me on that. It will be a transition. And this transition will be from us using our digital campus. And we've made a mess of our digital campus. Not in a bad way, in a good way. Our digital campus has largely been about us. It's how we have survived as a church. But now we've got to move that our digital campus becomes focused upon its proper, its proper audience, which is the unchurched. We don't go into a town and take out a Yellow Pages ad anymore. The digital world is our front door. You know yourselves. You want to go to a restaurant? What do you do? You go Google it. You want to go to some theme park? 
you Google it. You want to find out information about a particular store, you Google it. Well, guess what? People that want to come to church do the exact same thing. So our focus has to shift to the unchurched. What we need to be speaking at our front door is different from what we are saying. Not in doctrine, not in lifestyle, but how we are speaking is different than when someone has become a part of us. So first step in this transition, in order to facilitate the pastoral team in getting the campus ready and having everything operationally ready, we need some extra time. Ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't realized it, we've been kind, but if you've said to one of us, what are you all doing since we don't meet in person? We've been kind and we bit our tongue, but we wanted to give you a tongue lashing. Putting out six broadcasts a week, putting out 400 broadcasts over 15 months, putting out 200 hours of content, roughly double what you would have got if we were in person. Let's just say it takes a lot of effort. We need some breather in the month of July to turn our attention to getting ready to come back. So first thing is, is there will only be starting, and this is the first of this week. Tonight's is the first of this. There will only be three broadcasts per week. So for the next five weeks, there will only be three broadcasts per week. This will let us put the finishing touches on our physical campus. It'll also begin the transition to our new schedule, which I'll talk about in a few moments. Two of these broadcasts will be focused on us, the church. We still need to be fed while we're in transition. And one broadcast, however, will be focused on the unchurched. So here's how it'll work. Sundays and Fridays at 7 p.m. will be for us. We will continue to broadcast content that is about us. And so you've got two services, if you will, two broadcasts, Sunday and Friday at 7 p.m. each time. On Wednesday, at varying times throughout the day, there'll be another broadcast that is not about you. It's actually focused on the unchurched. And I'll tell you a little bit about what we need you to do with that broadcast. Now, once we've returned to our physical campus in the month of August, our digital campus will become completely focused on the unchurched. This will affect the content, the timing, and the goal of our broadcast and our social media strategy. So don't be scrunching up your nose and going, why aren't you still teaching the Bible on our social media? I don't know any of you who talk like that, but forgive me. I always change voices when I want to kind of characterize something. Because you want to reach the unchurched. And when you reach the unchurched in America today, you can't start with they believe in God. And you can't start with they believe in the Bible. You've got to create common ground with them. You've got to reach them. You've got to go where they are. And Jesus gave us great examples of this. So what are you supposed to do? Even in the month of July, as we produce this in on Wednesdays, and it's a learning project for us, by the way, guys, we don't know what we're doing, but we're going to keep trying and God's going to guide us. We're going to, here's the phrase I want you to get. We're going to provide you the hook. We need you to go fishing. Well, how's that work? Here's what we need you to do. We need you to like our Facebook page. We need you to like our YouTube channel so that you get notified. And then every post, first in the month of July, it'll just be Wednesdays. But then as we move back in August, it'll be throughout the week. Every post, every broadcast, share it. Not just like it, share it. So that your friends, particularly the unchurched, can be reached. And we're going to endeavor to make that content such that it's a hook and you can go fishing. All right. So there's a transition with regard to our digital campus. Only three broadcasts, 
Sunday and Friday are for us for these five weeks. Wednesday will be at varying times. We need you to like both our Facebook page and our YouTube channel and share these out so that we can cast a net, so we can go fishing. All right. Then in August, the digital campus becomes totally about our front door, about reaching the unchurched, the new person. It's not about you. It's not for you. We'll still broadcast our services there. So if you're gone or you have a, if you're sick, if you're homebound, you can still access it there. But that's not our primary focus. Our primary focus is not going to be us. It's going to be the unchurched. And we're going to do some crazy things. We're going to do some unique things because we want to reach the lost. We want to go where they are and reach them. We're not changing who we are. We're not changing what we believe. But we are going to be wise in how we reach for them. Now, let's quickly talk about small groups. Now, you kind of already have a preview about this. We've talked about this before, but let me run through it very quickly. Our third quarter starts this in the month of July, the week of July 5th. It will remain Tuesdays and Thursdays, but with no broadcasts on Tuesdays and Thursdays. We now are moving our online small groups to 7 p.m., and it'll stay there. So everybody understand it's staying at 7 p.m. Many of our groups met at 6 or 6.30 or 7 or 7.30. So 7 was in the middle spot. That's where we will put, and we should be able to start on time. So 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. That's late enough that you can get home from work, get some food, et cetera, for online small groups but it's early enough that the evening's not too late, particularly if you have children that are participating in the small groups and your children should participate. I'm not talking about your two-year-old. The two-year-old's not gonna follow it, but your eight, your 10, your 12, definitely your teenagers, they need to be participating. So beginning the week of July 5th, we will start our third quarter, Tuesdays and Thursdays, 7 p.m. online using the same Zoom meeting that we always have. And here's the kicker. If you are confused, go to newarkupc.info and go to the upcoming events. That's all you've got to do. Every event that's happening in the church is there. It is on that website. I even had a conversation with my mom a few days ago. She got all confused about something and she's like, what, 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 what do I do? I don't know where things are. I mean, Steve, you're confusing me. I'm like, mom, just go to you guessed it, newarkupc.info, click upcoming events, and just look at the day. It'll automatically load the day. It'll give you everything you need to know. Now, during the third quarter of 2021, so that means July, August, and September, our small groups will continue to meet only online every other week. But beginning in the fourth quarter of 2021, so October through December, and continuing through the first quarter of 2022, January through March, we will begin adding back in in-person meals, social gatherings, outings, service projects. These in-person, as opposed to online small groups, these in-person small groups will be about serve and play. And they'll be determined by the group in alignment with the rest of the church. But you, the group, will determine what day, what time. It could be anywhere within the week. So our goal is that by the second quarter of 2022, by April of 2022, that our small groups will be meeting weekly with the following structure. Each quarter is comprised of 13 weeks. Each quarter will begin with online small groups. If you can't follow that, don't worry about it. Just check the calendar. Those online small groups will be focused on learning, 
and they will meet every other week for a total of six weeks, six meetings per quarter, just like we've been doing. The remaining six weeks, the in-between weeks, will be in person and they'll split their focus between play, like meals and social gatherings and outings, and serving in our larger community. Then the final week, because remember I said there are 13 weeks, the final week of each quarter, there will be no small groups, but after our Sunday morning service, the church will have an in-person church-wide potluck, and it'll be a great time for everybody to, to join together. Now, let's talk about restrictions. Some of you are hanging on, and yes, I know I did it. You're like, oh my goodness, when's he going to tell us what we're doing? When's he going to tell us when or what, what the schedule is? Well, I'm getting there. I'm almost there. But let's talk about restrictions. Why was our physical campus shut down for nearly 17 months by the time we come back? Here's the logic. Before the vaccines were developed, each person's individual choices impacted the entire church community. Besides the impact of our church community upon the larger community, your individual choice impacted everybody else in the church. While the pastoral team is not responsible for each individual member's choices, we are responsible for caring for the church community. So while your individual choices impacted the larger church community, that meant we had to take steps to guard the larger church community. Now, here's the part that some of you are struggling with, and I'm not trying to beat a dead horse, but I want you to understand something. While God is our healer, he does not always choose to heal. And this season has been an absolute unequivocal demonstration that God is less bothered by death than we are. Now, some of you would say to me, well, then we just die. I, under the divine guidance of God, didn't feel it was a season that we had to die. I felt it was a season where we could die. And I have biblical examples where instead of healing, he directed quarantine. So that's why we shut down the physical campus. Now, with the development of vaccines and the ready availability of being vaccinated, individual choices no longer impact the entire church community. They only impact the individual and their family. If you are unable to be vaccinated, you're going to have to develop a strategy for how to proceed with life. And we will respect those choices and we'll even help you where we can. If you're choosing not to be vaccinated, you're also going to have to develop a strategy for how to proceed with life. We will respect your choices. We're not going to mandate that you're vaccinated. If you're planning to be vaccinated but not, have not yet done so, it's time to do so. You need to do so because the vaccines are what are going to protect you. Otherwise, you're going to have to have another plan. We've achieved these two goals of COVID-19, caring for our neighbor, because our witness to our community was that we cared for them and would not be a source of spreading COVID-19. And we've achieved our second goal of caring for you, the members. Some of you did contract COVID-19, but not from church events. But even though you did, you didn't spread it to other members of the church community and no one in our immediate church community died. 
There are currently no federal or state laws or mandates that place restrictions on our gathering together. Because of our size, we do not bump into. There is, Delaware has a restriction that if you're over 250, you need to have a plan that's cleared by the health department. But we're not over that in a single meeting. So I want to emphasize to you, when it comes to restrictions and our return to our campus, we will not require anyone to be vaccinated in order to attend our events. I need everybody to hear that. We will not require anyone to be vaccinated. We never have on anything else and we won't on this. But we're also not going to impose any restrictions because you've had ample time that if you want to be vaccinated, you can. We'll respect any measures you take. If you need to hand wash, we got nice hand sanitizer stations that'll be there probably till Jesus comes. All right. Those of you I used to make fun of about hand sanitizing, well, those days are over. I understand. I'll quit making fun of you. Maybe you want to social distance. Maybe you still want to wear a mask. We'll respect that, but we're not imposing, we're not mandating any restrictions. Here's the key point. Vaccines are protecting those who've chosen to vaccinate. Those who cannot or choose not to be vaccinated do not pose a risk to those who are vaccinated. And the vaccinated church community doesn't pose any risk to those who either cannot or choose not to be vaccinated. So because of that, we will not impose any restrictions when we return to our physical campus while respecting any measures that the individual takes. Now, for those of you that are handicapping, is he going to get done by, by, by 740? No, I'm not. I'm going to break it. So everybody stop the chatter, stop getting upset. I'm almost there, but I'm going to run over by a minute or two. So hang with me. All right. Hang with me. So let me show you something that you all have been waiting for. Yes, I've been baiting you and trying to wait for it to there. Let's talk about what's the Sunday schedule look like. We talked about the digital campus. We've talked about small groups. What's happening with the digital campus? Well, let's take a look here. So Here's the schedule. Yes, I know you all are leaning into your screens, actively looking. Well, the first thing that those of you that don't care about details is we will have our worship service on Sunday at 12 p.m. What about Sunday night? There is no Sunday night service. What? We're that church now? I need you to look at the schedule. We have changed the format but I don't think we've lightened the load. We basically on Sundays on that campus will have a 12 hour day. Now it doesn't mean everybody's impacted by the 12 hour day. Let's take a look at the schedule there. 10 to 11 a.m. will be pastoral meeting, coming together, getting focused, getting things going. Staff will be requested to arrive at 11 a.m. That will allow for sound check, that will allow for greeters, that will allow for parking, all of the various service areas within the church to get up and running so that by 11.30 pre-service can start. We can all be ready to go and we're focused upon our guests, upon our members that are coming in. And at 12, we will start our worship service. We have plenty of time allocated within the schedule so that we can have a long order call. We can have the work of God in our midst. We can allow things to operate. Sunday school, kids Bible night, has served us well on Wednesday nights, but it, under the direction of Sister Kiara Horn, our Director of Children and Youth Ministries, pastoral team has decided that we are moving it back to Sundays. 
So from 2 to 3.30, immediately following our worship service, we will have Sunday school. During that same time, from 2 to 2.30, will be our guest reception with our guests. And then from 2.30 to 3.30, we will have the option of being able to run new members classes as well as discipleship classes. Ready Child Care is right there for them. And this is an opportunity to create relationship. We will let our guests know, and we're letting you know, you need to eat before you come to church. And afternoon service means we're expecting that you have either eaten a late breakfast or an early lunch because you're not going home. The typical member's not going home until as late as 3.30 or 4 o'clock. So either a late breakfast, you skip lunch and then you eat dinner, or an early lunch and you skip forward until a late dinner. All right. Then you'll see that there are administration things that have to happen. There's a dinner break for staff that have been there since 10 o'clock. And then there's also a block of time between six and eight that various leadership development things will be occurring. And each of those will be scheduled and they will impact you. So as you become a member and you've gone through discipleship classes, you should expect that you're going home. Maybe you're going to take a nap because you're not involved with Sunday school, but you're coming back. You're being involved. All we've done is change the format. We have not actually done away with everything we've been trying to achieve. Why is the format changed? So that it aligns with the vision frame and is efficient and effective. You will see that staff are planning to be there. Pastoral team members in particular from 10 to 10. It'll be a long day. I promise you it'll be a long day, but we're ready to do it. Our focus has got to be effectiveness and efficiency. Now, I'm going to leave that up for a minute, all right? And uh, so that those of you that like details in that can pay attention to that and look at that. Now, what I want to do, though, is draw your attention back to the why. Why are we doing this? Because the vision frame is what's governing. It's what's governed us through COVID, and it's what's governing us going forward. You say, well, what's the vision frame? The divine guidance of God. You say, well, Steve, I'm not sure I believe it's the divine guidance of God. That's your choice. I'm telling you that God has been guiding us through this. It's consistent with scripture. It's consistent with our history. And so what are we doing? We're all making disciples of all. How are we doing it? We're worshiping, we're learning, and we're serving, and we're playing. Why are we doing it? Because we're motivated to pursue our mission of all making disciples of all by our core values of word, discipleship, honesty, kindness, service, and community. These core values are our why. What does this mean for you, the member? Because I'm assuming our audience, if you're a guest with us, forgive me. You're in the weeds with us, and I hope you'll come back and join us, particularly in our broadcast, but, in, but, but even more when we come back to our physical campus. But if you're a member of Newark UPC, here's what's happening. We're asking you to move from sitting to serving. We're asking you to move from the table to the community. Now, some of you may say to me, Steve, who's going to feed me? First of all, if you're not in a small group, it's high time you get in one. That's one primary area you're going to be fed. But I want to go one step further. The Apostle Paul preserves for us a quotation from Acts 20, verse 35, in which he's speaking to the elders of Ephesus, and he says to them, 
I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. I want you to notice the context because we always use this verse to talk about money. And it applies to money, but it's not just money. Paul says, I've been an example of how you help those in need by working hard. I can think of no one more in need than the person who doesn't know the gospel of Jesus Christ. I can think of no one in greater need than the person who's not received the beautiful gift of the Holy Spirit. I can think of no one in greater need than the person who has not yet received the saving grace of baptism in Jesus' name. I can think of no one in greater need than the person who has not been able to understand that holiness is a gift and God will enable it. It's more blessed to give than to receive. But let's not stop there. Luke 6 verse 38, Jesus said, give and you will receive. Now, I know we talk about this in terms of money, but I want you to broaden your perspective here. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount, stop thinking money here. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Church, every week, we will all engage in making disciples of all. Everybody's going to do it. And as you give, as you serve, as you focus on others, it will return to you pressed down, shaken together, and running over. How do you think your pastors are fed? How do you think your leaders are cared for? It works for us, and it'll work for you. We're going to do this every week, all engaging in making disciples of all, by worshiping, by learning, by serving, and by playing. This is our weekly process. We're going to be motivated by our desire and our commitment to these core values of word and discipleship and honesty and kindness and service and community. We have an opportunity after almost 17 months to come back and renew our focus to live intentionally with purpose and with balance. Everything that we do will be focused and clarified through this vision frame that I've shared with you. Now, over the next two weeks, you'll be receiving successive emails and or text messages referring you to, anybody want to say it with me? NewarkUPC.info. If your contact information is not current with us, please go to that website and choose the update your contact information. You'll be able to find each of our communications at our communications hub or going directly to newyorkqbc.info forward slash FYI. Please pay attention to these communications. If you've got questions, feel free to reach out to us via phone, via email, or you guessed it, say it with me at newyorkqbc.info. So I made it over five minutes. So on behalf of the pastoral team, I thank you for your faithfulness and your commitment. We're truly almost there. May God continue to bless and guide us as we deny ourselves and we follow him.
God bless you all. It's an honor to serve you. Thank you to the pastoral team for their faithfulness. It's an honor to serve with them. Good night, everyone.